Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How are you doing, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How about yourself? Oh, I'm great. Super fantastic. What you been up to this week? Oh, you know, this and that. It's been one of those weeks where you get, you know, a bunch of little things. Yeah. Uh, did some a little 15-minute chore for my neighbor, help her out, you know, be neighborly. Yep. I broke out in hives because I'm not neighborly. <laughs> Breathe into the bag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I saw? Um, speaking of little little things, uh, on YouTube, Peter McKinnon, most everybody knows who he is, but interesting idea. He had this thing where he takes his, he, I think this is too many. He writes down eight things he has to do that day and puts them on a little notepad and carries that with him and checks them off. And whenever he's done one, he's like, okay, what should I do now? And that way you get things done, keeps you focused. And I like the idea. He says it's not on a device, right? That way when you check your phone, you're not noticing text messages. You're not noticing all the distractions that are on your phone. You literally have this piece of paper. And uh, I've been doing that lately, except I don't, I think eight things, like eight important things is too many to do, in my opinion. I'm like, okay, uh, so my list might be finish this knife and then shoot half of this video or edit this. And those are three things. If I can get those three things <laughs> done in a day, great. Item one, finish knife. Item two, let Dodd know it's for sale. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Number three, ship it to Todd. <laughs> and yeah, but man, it's been really helpful. Like if I've got things I need to do and, and sometimes I'll pick one menial task, like uh, the screen door, I put in screen doors on the front and the back door of my garage and they weren't quite tall enough. I don't know why. I don't know if the builder framed the door weird or what, but standard size you buy, but then you can buy these little extensions that you put on the bottom. And this one extension, uh, I don't know why, but I didn't put enough screws in it. And so the one screw that I had on the one side ripped out. And it's one of those things where you're, you're in the middle of something, you're going out the vehicle and you see it's like, oh, crap. And then it's like, uh, and it bugs you. And so I'm like, you know what? Today I'm going to fix that. And so I put that on a little checkbox and then I went and I took two screws on my little drill and it took me about 30 seconds bzz, bzz, and I screwed a couple from the outside too. And all of a sudden it's done and I could check that off and now it's over, right? And it's been really cool. This I just keep a little tiny notebook. I keep it on me all the time and I just make a little square box, write down the task. And I, I sit down first thing I go to the garage in the morning, say, okay, what three things do I want done today? And pretty much without fail, they get done. And it's so simple. It's like, oh, cool. And I don't, I, I don't know that I necessarily get more done, but what it helps me is to focus on what I actually want done that day, you know? Getting your priorities done. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, because you don't get the, the shiny foil in the corner distract you. Mm-hmm. And I'm That's very distracted I by have. that. Yeah. For you, it's like guns and knives, and for me, it's like motorbikes and bicycles. <laughs> Whoa, wait, wait. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, I did uh I did some work on my DR this week. I brought that thing to life. 
And, you know, there's this uh, website called ProCycle, and they sell a lot of these kits for, like, tuning your carburetor and all this stuff. And I've been doing a bunch of research, watching a bunch of YouTube videos on DIY options. And I did everything. You can buy this one kit uh, for this carburetor, stock carburetor. It's uh, $198. And, you know, they give you a couple different screws because the Phillips head screws on the carb, they're difficult. And they really are. Uh, they'll, you know, give you ones with Allen head that you can replace those out. And then they'll give you different size jets and a different needle and all this stuff. And I've found ways other people say you can just modify this stuff yourself. And uh, I, although I've never heard of anybody drilling out their main jet on a DR, but I'm like, 150 is the most common size to upgrade to jets. And so that's 1.5 millimeters. And I've got a drill bit like that. So I drilled it, just drilled out my main jet. And it was a 140 before. Did all these little DIY mods, and man, that beast is alive. And I, zero dollars. It cost me zero bucks to do this. I mean, obviously, I have to put my time into it, but man, I'm just so stoked. It's before, you know, when I got the bike, it was so stock, and it's fun, but slow, like slow. Like you could buy, you know, a nice Mustang would probably eat me off the line. And now I definitely, I wouldn't win against the Corvette or something like that or something super hopped up, but it has so much more jam. First and second gear, just front tire just comes off the ground. Oh, it's phenomenal. Little bit by little bit, you're putting together this ER visit puzzle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, no, no, I'm, I'm tame. I'm too chicken to do any of that stuff. But yeah, so that was uh, kind of that and then working on the knife stuff. But that's, <laughs> that's the stuff that I have to put on my little list of bullets to make sure I get it done. But... Um, you guys, do you ever, you ever get wildfire smoke where you live? You know, um, no. Yeah. We, we usually get it every year and some years is worse than others. This year has been phenomenal. And I think like two days ago was the first day it started to show up. But one nice thing is it does. Some days you go out there and it stinks like a campfire everywhere you go. And it actually hurts your lungs and your eyes. It can be that bad. I think the smoke's up a lot higher now. Uh, so it's just kind of a hazy, but it, it doesn't stink for the most part. But yeah, we're, we started with that again. So, And then our heat wave still, we got like 30s every single day for like the next two weeks. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy weather we're having. I think I um, last time I had experienced, you know, Smoke haze was when we, when Danette was, had to go out to California for work a couple of years ago, and I went out for a week and uh, telework during the day, and then we, you know, go do stuff in the evening and weekends. But uh, and there was a wildfires then. Yeah, they can have. And then obviously, there. every summer in Montana was. Yeah. Yeah, it's so tragic, isn't it? It's like, man. Well, yes. But um, why on earth nothing happened to those a-holes that started the California wildfires last year by sending off um, gender reveal lanterns? Is that what started it? Yes. No, jerks. That's arson. Accidental, maybe, but it's arson. You put candles in the air, 
over yeah. a tender box. Sorry. I didn't know um, that's what started it. And, oh, yeah, it was 100%. Um, so people thought it was that. Then they proved it. And then they backed up, you know, then the, they backtracked from it. Then the uh, uh, people who actually did the investigation said, no, it was that. So, hmm. you know, they couldn't really not blame the, the that idiotic couple. And, uh, well, what type, what was the baby? Is it a boy or girl? I don't know. <laughs> um, it's a nationwide gender reveal party. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to know. The first Montana wildfire this year, uh, just a couple, what, about a month ago, um, buddy of mine that still lives up there said, you know, took a picture of the smoke and said, oh, you know, first wildfire of the year. And I just said, it wasn't a boy or a girl. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, well, that, and then and then you see, like, I've been driving, like, in wooded areas, and you'll see smokers just flick their butts out the windows. And First of all, this is the number one pet peeve of mine, is smokers that just throw their cigarettes on the ground. And everyone does it because they don't have ashtrays by the entrances of stores anymore, right? There's no place to put the cigarettes. And everyone, they're driving along, or I hate it when I'm driving along, the truck in front of you flicks a cigarette out and it goes underneath your vehicle. I'm like, oh, you dirty rotter. It's littering. Like, I wonder how many thousands of tons of cigarette butts are littered every year. You know, it might almost be as much as face masks. And, uh... Man, you're driving around a Banff, and all of a sudden a guy just flicks his cigarette butt out. I'm like, dude, it's dry. There's pine needles on the ground. <laughs> like, man. Those, and I agree with you. Like, the, why why don't those guys just get hammered? It's like, oh, you just did millions of dollars in, in damage and services that had to be rendered to keep people safe. Yeah, I'm sure that they can't afford the hundreds of millions of dollars in restitution. But, my God, they should have to give everything they no, you Hell, put them in have jail. To sell the kid they just had. You put them in jail. Yeah. You know, I was, ta- I was talking to my kids about this, and they're like, "Well," and and my wife, and I thought, you know, this is how the the justice system should work, in my opinion, is that we should have. So, okay, say if I steal something from you, and I steal your car, <clears throat> my, the onus is on me to pay it back to you fourfold. I'd just pick a number, right, and put that there. And when I pay that back fourfold, I'm going to do that in prison. And what we're going to do is we're going to have inmates like they used to do work that benefits the country. So that could be making the license plates. It could be making all of our stop signs. Uh, You know, we can say, hey, here's your job. You're going to work. And we have all these factories set up in prisons and the inmates work eight to 10 hours a day and they get whatever the the wage is, right? What's some like minimum wage or equivalent wage? You know, if they're skilled, say if it was a welder, it's like, good, we've got welding jobs for you. And you have to work and pay your debt fourfold, plus the time that your room and board is, is has cost to be in there. Once that's done, there you go. Now you're out of jail and you don't, you know, you've got a record, but it won't hinder you at all. You've paid your debt. I think if they had to pay the debt and be in prison and, and don't make prison such cushy, wonderful places where they can work out and get all jacked and, and stuff, you know, and surf the internet all day long. You should be like, nope, you're going to the factory, man. You're going to put in your 12-hour days, and everybody's going to hate it there, and it's going to be the worst thing, and when you get caught doing something wrong, you're going to be like, oh, crap. And, man, if you had that in place, it's not worth stealing cars anymore because you'd only have to work for a quarter of the time at a better job as a free man 
and you could get the money to buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then you have, in today's world, here's what you'd get. Oh, but that's racist because poor people are mostly black and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, Texas right now, they want to make sure that people who vote are legal to vote, right? Oh, wow, yeah. And, oh, no, that's racist. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. How is making sure... You're a citizen of the country. A legal citizen. Yeah. That's not a felon, and you're voting for the person you want to vote for. Yeah. Uh, How's that racist? Just kidding. You know. And now, I agree... We shouldn't have mail-in ballots because that's like 1900s technology. Mm-hmm. Vote online, you do your taxes online, uh, make it secure, and move on with life. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about you know stuff like that, and I want to make a T-shirt, and I'm trying to figure out how to design it. But you know, one of my favorite phrases, and this is something I came up with, is the world is as soft as a bad banana. Right. Like when you've got people complaining that, oh, we can't we can't be mean to illegal immigrants. Uh, what? Well, you, the last part of that illegal immigrant. No, no, they have rights to. No, they don't. Like it's it's just such. A, and when you think about that system that people want to impose and does that work? Does that function? No, because that's lawlessness. Now well, there is no standard. There is no moral. There is no. This is a set of guidelines. It's it's just do whatever you want. It's like the willy-nilly Wild West, you know? Absolutely, and here's proof using immigration. And I'm going to pick on the on the leftist here in the United States for a second. Um, you want anyone from anywhere to come here and can't call them illegal aliens and blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait, unless you're Cuban, then we don't yeah. want you. Yeah, yeah. What? What? Got the director of Homeland Security telling... Cuban refugees, Ed, yeah, don't come here illegally. Yeah. Really? You're letting um, Latin Americans come across by the, you know, by the score. Oh, what's the difference? Oh, that's right. Um, Cubans are a little bit more, uh, uh, have a little bit more self-respect than to, you know, they come here and they want to make something of themselves. Even if they come as refugees, they want to become legal Americans and then work for a living. Yeah. That's my been my experience. And I'm a native Floridian, so, yeah. Um, not so much with particularly Central Americans, you know, um, yeah, that mm. are more criminal-minded. And I don't mean all. I mean yeah. the folks that are coming here illegally. Yeah. Uh, some are being forced to come here, you know, like. Mexicans of the last decade, uh, when the cartels were forcing them. Yeah. But. So what's going on in Cuba right now? I've, I, I, I really try not to listen to the news, but isn't there social unrest there right now? Yes. Huh. Interesting. That's, uh, yeah. is Fidel Castro still around? Well, the, no, God, he's dead. Yeah. So Justin's um, father's dead. The, uh. The current president, uh, you know, once the protest started, he shut down social media access within uh, Cuba because the quote unquote American mafia, what he means by that is the government. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, because because America there Cuba rumors? has such a sordid history. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, they, they should be okay. Cubans should be able to run their country however the Cubans want. Mm-hmm. Whatever the majority uh, believes it should be done, and if they have the capability of making that happen, that's what should happen. Yeah. America, Canada, Mexico, Russia, you know, keep your nose out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my opinion. But. I agree. And now, if there's a tyrant in charge, like there was in venezuela and the uh, you know the majority of good people can't get out from under that boot and they cry out for help then mm-hmm. the free world has a responsibility to help yeah 100%. Uh, lift that boot off the net you know they didn't because you know they wanted all that you know oil teat but anywho yeah yeah it's it's crazy like when we lived in venezuela we uh, met a guy and his son, I think he went to law school in Toronto or something, but um, he owned a coffee plantation and he was very, very wealthy for there. And by that, I mean, he'd probably be, you know, middle, middle class here. Enough that he could, you know, generally drive vehicles that were only a few years old. Uh, you know, he could, uh, there, I don't think there are cell phones there yet, but he was just well to do. In, in that town, he was, in, he was like one of the rich people. And, um, <clears throat> he'd always take trips abroad. He, he loved going to Canada for some reason. He'd go to Banff every two years. So he, he did well and really nice guy. His name was Baltazar. And that is such a cool name. Yeah. Yeah. Him and my dad were really, really good buddies. Um, he would help us. We had this old Ford station wagon and it was kind of like a Ford escort type body shape. I don't know what the model was, but it was a station wagon. It was the biggest piece of junk ever. And once a week we were fixing something on it. And so he spoke, Baltazar spoke good English and he really liked my dad. Like they'd have coffee every morning. And so, you know, once a week my dad calls him, Baltazar, I need an alternator. And so he'd go with him to the part shop and get an alternator. And then we're driving along and the back window just spontaneously just shatters <laughs> and goes, gets a back window and that puts it in, you know, so it's really nice having him there. But uh, my dad talked to him, I would say, I, I heard about this a year ago and you know, he said, for all the money that I have in the bank and all the wealth I've established, they only let me get out $10 a day. And like the, the government imposes how he can access his money. He goes, I would, get, I would leave here right now. I'd just buy a plane ticket and go somewhere, but I can't get my money. And he has hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. You know, he's a good businessman and his employees really like him. We went to his plantation where they wash the beans and they pick the beans and very fascinating, you know, and especially like for a coffee freak like myself, it was really neat to see the process, but man, it's just so sad. He's like, you know, I work so hard. I do this. And he goes, I just hope they don't take all my money. He said, my money's still there, but they only give me $10 a day. It's crazy. Yeah. they. Um, someone that's associated with um, the Folger people. Yeah. They were buying a bunch of coffee from... Venezuela and their intermediary, the guy that was the like coffee guy in Venezuela, he would buy from the farmers and then sell to the Folgers, right? Mm-hmm. That guy, 
multi, 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 multi millionaire. Yep. Um, and then during the a lot of political unrest uh, years ago, uh, the Folger company said, "Yeah, you know, PR, eh, we're out of here. You know, we're going to sever our contract." And then a couple of days later, the government came in and said, "Hey, thanks for uh, saving all this money for us." To that guy, uh, and he just took everything he had. Wow! And threw him in jail. Wow. That's something else. Crazy. Yeah. But America's evil. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? Like the the thing that scares me. I don't know how far off Canada is from that though. Like with with some of the things they're doing, like even like you and I were talking about, uh, you know, before we hit record, like with the RCMP, they have a right to come into your house for 10 minutes without a warrant. So if they say, I feel like something's bad is going on, or I feel like you've got something illegal, they can legally, uh, an officer can just drive past a house, an RCMP and say, I'm going to go into that house right now. And they could walk in there, knock on the door. I feel there's something dangerous in here. I need to check it out. And they have 10 minutes without question. That's not very far off from throwing somebody in jail and stealing all their money. That's very, very close to that. And absolutely. That's, you know, people, young people in this day and age are too stupid to realize it. They're like, Oh no, everything's good. Everything's fine. Well, if you're not doing anything wrong, they're not going to come in. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know that somebody you went to high school with that really didn't like you in high school? is now RCMP. You're a corporate executive somewhere and got a lot of money. And he comes by your house every day and he just seethes for years. And just hate continues to grow as the size of your house and the uh, cost of your cars increase. He sees that every day. You know what? I'm going to go in his house for 10 minutes, you know. And while I'm there, I'm going to, quote, unquote, find a kilo of heroin mm-hmm. and your life is over and they get away with it. Yeah. Oh, that'll never happen, really. Why don't you go ask uh, the former um, most infamous uh, corrupt New York City cop, Mr. Dow, how to do it because he did it. And that was back then, you mm-hmm. know, in the 70s and 80s. Just think about how you could get away with it now. Yeah. Oh, and uh, like in the United States, when the feds come into your house, uh, you know, they always bring local cops with you because it's the local cops that quote unquote find things. Hmm. I don't know who's plants it, but, you know, um, let's say uh, the actual law enforcement arm of DHS is looking for something in your house or suspects you have something or wants to find something, they go through the house, followed minutes uh, by your local police who find things that are hidden but have no dust on them. You tell me how that happens, but okay. Yeah, yeah. And that does happen. Um, I used to work for one of those agencies in the back, you know, in the legal department, and we know that happens. 
there are ways around it, and it just disgusts me. Yeah. That's why I don't work for him anymore. Yeah. The corruption. Yeah, it's every, it's everywhere. You know, I mean, man, the heart of man is deceitful and corrupt. And, you know, people think that, that okay, that happens in this country or, you know, abroad, but it happens everywhere. Every single country on earth has that problem. Uh, I think some of it is more exposed and certain countries try to cover it up less, but it's... That's just the nature of the human being. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, if I went to Turkey right now, I could show you how to get anything you want in your life. Anything. Hmm. You want to buy a child or an, uh, a weapon or drugs or whatever. I can take you someplace to go get that stuff. Because it's not hidden anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, it's as transparent as going and buying groceries. I wouldn't know the first thing about how to get uh, human trafficking or uh, black market uh, goods in the United States. Yeah. Wouldn't know the first thing because, you know, I'm not that kind of guy, but. But I imagine. Go to Africa, again, the same thing. I could find that stuff. If I go to Western Europe, I could find that stuff. I mean, sorry, Eastern Europe. I could find that stuff, uh, but I, I just never have figured it out here in America. Hmm. Yeah. Can you get surly bicycles? Yes. In Turkey. <laughs> well, you could find you could get a bike, and it'll say surly on it. Yeah. It won't be in the right font. <laughs> yeah. And it won't be an actual surly. But you yeah. can find one there. You know, speaking of that, this ties in back with Venezuela. Uh, so when I grew up, I was, I, when I look back now, my parents were probably better off than most, but it's because they just saved. We didn't live like we were better off. I, I kind of grew up thinking that I was poor and, you know, I always had used clothes, always, either my cousin's hand-me-downs or from a secondhand store. And I remember school, uh, all my shoes were from Zeller's. Uh, which was kind of like a Walmart, basically super cheap plastic. You know, I never had leather gym shoes when I was a kid. And we went to Venezuela and then we were really close. Like we were in Rubio, Venezuela, and those very close to um, Caracas, no, Cucuta, Colombia, very close to Cucuta, Colombia. And we'd go to the markets and everybody went from Venezuela would go into Colombia to shop because it was cheaper and they had more stuff. And there's the Venezuelans would always say that the only reason the Colombians haven't made God yet is because they haven't seen him. But anything out there, they would have perfect rep replicas of. And so I, we went there and I think it was like $3 for these Nike Air shoes. And I bought them and I was just so thrilled. I was like on, I was, I was elated. I was like, I seriously have Nike Airs. Oh, man, this is the best my life has ever been. And then we came back to school. And uh, most of the kids there were in a dormitory. And so I'd go hang out with my friends there. And we had this one guy, he's from Brazil. His dad was a doctor. And uh, he's a big, big kid, which in South America is a sign of wealth. You know, if you've got enough to get fat, you're, you've got a lot of money to eat. And uh, he goes, those are fake. I'm like, no, they're not fake. He's like, yes, they are. And he took a knife and there's supposed to be an air pocket in the heel, right? And he actually took my shoes and stabbed them. And it was solid rubber throughout. 
<laughs> so the the first Nike Airs I bought were not even Nike Airs, and I was so disappointed. But that reminds me, you're just saying the Surleys are fake, and yeah, it was crazy. Anything you want there, and just dirt cheap, but now nah, it wasn't real. Oh, man. I saw a, a guy that was so proud um, that he had a Mercedes, right? He had made it, and this is in Turkey. He had a f- what is, in essence, a Ford Cortina that somebody had ta- zip-tied <laughs> Mercedes emblems to the grill yeah. and didn't even take the blo- the um, the blue oval off of it. That's funny. <laughs> That's trying pretty hard. And I, we couldn't figure out. I'm a really good you know, reader of people, that was my shtick. I could never figure out whether he was um, actually dumb enough to think it was a Mercedes. That's funny. Because he was literally showing it off to everybody. (laughs) And he paid Mercedes money for it. Wow. Allegedly. That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Well, he's the guy that... uh, He was a <clears throat> he was a bread maker, but like for the entire district. Okay. Right? So <clears throat> pretty successful baker as successful bakers in Turkey go. Um, and his parents didn't want the family business diversified amongst other families, right? So he forced, they forced their son and their daughter to get married. Mm. So this guy. That's sick. Is married to his sister. And I'm like, well, maybe he is just that stupid. Mm. But that's not. His kids certainly will be that stupid. But. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and have six toes and fingers. Huh. Oh, we had, uh, he had a little six-year-old boy. I don't know if it was his or not, but the meanest little so-and-so I have ever seen huh. anywhere on earth. Um, he wanted nothing more than to get a gun and go shoot other kids on the playground because they were mean to him. Wow. Really? Hmm. I mean, he would yanking on the gendarme's hat leg, saying, you know, wanting to borrow their rifle really mm. dude what have you done to your kid wow that's crazy it's a huh. that's just the most despicable place i've ever been turkey yeah mm. and that's saying a lot because i've been in some horrific places uh they're just horrible places mm. and i i think the reason that they um there hasn't been more atrocities in modern turkey is capitalism. Hmm. They're too greedy. You know? Yeah. We'd really like to kill each other, but man, that'll affect the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, there's a lot of, at that time, uh, there was a whole lot of foreign, uh, pressure on Turkey to reform mm-hmm. when they were part of NATO. And then, the government 
literally had an iron fist around their people. Yeah. Because there were uh, Turkish cops and the military cops uh, everywhere. Huh. Everywhere. I saw more cops walking the beat there with, you know, that will just put the beat down on your kill you uh, than I did in Soviet Russia. Huh. Before the fall of the wall. Huh. Yeah, so, I couldn't imagine that. <clears throat> and that's, I think that's the only the reason I put it above some of the places I went in Africa. Because hmm. it was the actual government doing it. Uh, and in Africa, it was just, uh, they call them warlords. They're just criminals hmm. that are trying to kill the other criminals. So, you yeah, know. so they can have control. Yeah. Yeah, when I, I was always afraid of the, the police in Russia because the we tried to blend in. Like, we learned that after we were there for a while. When we first got there, I mean, I'd wear my winter parka and I'd have my backpack and this and that. And every time you went out, you got hassled. And they would arrest you and then make you buy them cigarettes or vodka. And um, they used to have these little bus tickets. And it was kind of like a thin piece of paper, almost as thin as like telephone book paper. And you buy them, and then when you get on a bus, they have this stamp, and there's a series of pins in this stamp, kind of like hole punch pins, but smaller. And then every day they'll kind of adjust each one. So, you know, being on this day, only three of the nine would punch and in a certain pattern. And that way, as soon as you get on, you just punch this thing, and then you hold that ticket. And then when the police come and make sure you paid for your ticket, you can show them that your punches match. Well, I remember we had these tickets and, you know, they're very cheap to take public transportation there, but I didn't stamp it all the way down. So one of the pins was missing and, uh, we got stopped by the, by the police. And this was about nine o'clock at night. It's completely dark. And I didn't know where it was. I know where I got on and where I was going to get off. But anyways, they come check tickets and mine wasn't legal, right? And so they pulled me off the bus and this was after I'd been there for about three weeks. So I was 15 years old. <laughs> I don't speak Russian and I was there with four friends and two of them were like over 18, right? They're kind of looking after us and they weren't allowed to come. So the bus left with them three and here I am in Moscow. I've got these three cops and I don't know what they're saying and they tried to interpret, right? And, uh, so they said, why did you do that? And Bob didn't know it. So anyways, they ended up grabbing my wallet out of my back pocket and I had no money in there, like none. <laughs> and so they were so frustrated. They wanted me to buy them something, but I couldn't. And I showed them, they made me show every single pocket that I had that I, I'm glad they didn't make me strip down, but I had no money. And so then I remember like, I thought they were going to beat the crap out of me or something. And they, they said, Ugh, not worth it. And then they went and they just threw a whole stack of bus tickets at me so that I could use them to get home. <laughs> so, like they literally had a rubber band on a stack of about 40 bus tickets. They just threw it at me and I'm like, wow. And then I had to wait there for like a half an hour and then get on a bus and hope it was the right one. And man, what an eye-opening experience that was. But three of them there, uh, you know, one of them had uh, an AK and I was like, oh man, this I'm dead. I'm, I'm going to be dead here. <laughs> nope. I just end up making myself like 40 different bus rides, but it's crazy. Well, we, uh, went to Panama <clears throat> in the military, went down to Panama and in your out brief, they said, um, they gave us this little black bifold wallet. It only put your driver's license in it mm. with a $10 bill. Folded yeah. up. 
Yeah. Don't put anything else in it and don't carry anything else except somewhere hidden on you other $10 bills because the cop's going to pull you over about every block or so. Wow. <laughs> um, if you're in one area of the town we were near and they'll, you know, ask for your driver's license once they find that, once they realize you're American, which is very apparent. And they'll, you know, look at your license. You'll get your little black thingy back and it'll have just your license in it. Hmm. Um, put another $10 bill in there and you wait for the next cop. <laughs> On you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that was just the way it was. Yeah. And there- if you didn't have that $10 bill though, uh, yeah, it's just not a, oh darn, he didn't, you know, he's not going to bribe us. Oh, yeah. you might get a nightstick upside the head. Yeah. There and then they'll me. take you to the ATM. Yeah, that's right. Uh, did you live in Montana when there were no speed limits? Yes. Okay. And then if you did get pulled over for excessive speed, it was a $5 fine for endangerment. Yeah, $5 of conservation yeah. ticket. Because you talking about that, you know, keep 10 bucks and just have it ready. I remember we would go to the job sites. Like we did work like Belgrade and Missoula, all these different little tiny airports. And uh, all the guys that would show up at the, the job site, they would have a stack of fives just like literally right there. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, you know, every couple of days I got to give a $5. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I do 100 miles an hour and they pull me over and they, you just roll down your window. You put the five out there and you're on your way. It's a $5 speeding ticket. I'm like, this is the best place on earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. <clears throat> you couldn't be a jerk about it. No. You know, because that other part of the law would get you, you know, officer's discretion. Oh, okay, yeah. Because, um, well, the the very last time I ever got stopped for a $5 conservation ticket, and I could have been stopped a lot more, but the, just happened the last time, uh, is when the she didn't ask for the five dollars. She wanted a date. Very, uh, very awkward because my wife was in the car. Um, no, thank you. That's funny. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's very, uh, very honest with her. I was like, "Oh wow, thanks," but you know, this is you know, I'm married. Is my wife? You know, blah blah blah. And she just bent over and you know into the window and was like, "Well, you can come too." <laughs> Uh, we're just not going to do well here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought for certain we were going to jail. Yeah. But then, you know, as soon as she said it, she let it hang awkwardly for a few seconds. Just started laughing. She's like, hey, thanks a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. Y'all take care. Be safe. It's funny. You know, it makes a lot of sense there because some of those roads in Montana, you know, like two lanes, not like no traffic, and just straight as an arrow for miles and miles and miles and i remember sometimes we'd be going in if you're doing 65 man you wait till you see a vehicle in your tail lights and within a minute or two you can't even see their tail lights you know what i mean like that man it's i remember there and, and no speed limits and we'd cruise it makes so much sense you know because oh, yeah. you're not driving in a dangerous manner if you're doing like 80 miles an hour on those freeways or 90 miles an hour you know as long as your vehicle's safe and it's not working it too hard, man, go. You know, if there's something on the road, you'll see it 10 minutes before you get there. Oh, I like they that. They would, uh, <clears throat> and they made, you know, even though some of the stuff was officer's discretion, it just seemed to me the, the time, the experiences I had up there, they were logical about it. You know, yes, if you were driving yes. a 
a hoopty up there at you know 110 miles an hour, they're going to stop you and say, hey, look, yeah. no. <laughs> These brakes aren't stopping this thing on time. You're not doing this. Sorry. Yeah. Because um, the guy I worked with had a hoopty, and he got stopped, uh, and they told him not to do it again. Then he did it, and they took his car. Oh, wow. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's, he's a danger to everybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, because, well, the first time I met him, it was at work, and he was telling a story that he lost his bumper on the way to work. Did you stop and pick it up? No, it's in the road. You you left your bumper in the road. Yeah. You're a butthole. Yeah. You know. Wow. I mean, that's the the crown the crown the prince of butthole right there. Yeah. That's right. terrible. No thought for anybody else, right? What about the the mom who's taking her kids to school and and you know, the kids are spilt something in the back and she has to turn around and doesn't notice it. Next thing you know, she's in the ditch upside down with kids in the car, you know? Yeah. 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 I found something on the road yesterday, N nothing dangerous, but, uh, so right now the, the Calgary stampede's going on and then everything's like, uh, all the regulations, like there's no restrictions whatsoever, except for some reason they're not doing the chuck wagon races this year, but the chuck wagon races are happening in high river. I believe it is high river or Okotoks. I forget, but Anyways, the jocks that ride the horses and the chalk wagons, they have these whips and it's got the handle of it is like a golf club handle. Pretty much looks the exact same thing. And then it's just this fiberglass shaft that tapers down and it's about six or seven feet long. And uh, I was coming home from the city yesterday and uh, I stopped at the post or at the mailbox to get some mail, but we had a package there and it wouldn't fit on my motorbike because I already had bicycle wheels on my, mo <laughs> my motorbike. And so <laughs> anyways, I come home, drop the bicycle wheels off, drop this other package off. Uh, you know, hey, honey, I'm just going to go back and get your package because it was a bunch of fabric stuff ordered. And so I'm going back and this thing's still on the road. I thought, you know, if that's there when I come back and if there's no traffic around, I'm going to pull over and grab it and then uh, come back. There's nobody around. So I just stopped right in the middle of the road, like right on the white line. And I picked this thing up and I brought it home and I was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> it's uh, It had a little purple flag on the end of it and it's just covered in manure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they kind of hold this thing. And uh, when they're riding, they have basically the long part sticking behind their hand. So it almost looks like they're holding it upside down. That way they can have their hands on the reins and they just flick their wrists and then it whips the horse. But uh, yeah, I was sitting there and thought, ah, some, some rider's going to get there and be like, oh man, <laughs> maybe he's going to lose because he can't whip his horse when he's riding. But road find. That's my favorite thing about bicycles and motorcycles. Easier on a bicycle, obviously, because you're going slower and you see more, and it's easier to just stop and run out onto the road and grab something. But some of the road finds you get are just phenomenal. I, f I was coming back from the Harley-Davidson dealer in Maryland, uh, like 2008, 2009 time frame, <clears throat> uh, at one of our meetings, and so it was a Sunday morning 10-ish, and I stopped at a stoplight, and I turned, you know, looking left, because i got to turn left at the next stoplight, so I'm in the left-hand lane, and right there in the ditch is somebody's wallet. <laughs> wow. I mean, chuck full of money. Oh, wow. Like, it had thousands of dollars in it. Seriously. And, you know, I had their ID, and uh, uh, so I, you know, contacted Law enforcement, then the person. Yeah. Pick, took a picture of everything. Uh, and then 
like, hey, you know, how much did you have? And they knew exactly how much was in that wallet. Yeah. I said, that's how much is still in it. Uh, if you meet me at the, you know, parking lot at sheriff's office, I'll give it back to you. Yeah. You know, because somebody with that much money, you don't know if it, they were buying a car yeah. on Marketplace or, you know, they yeah. owe a heroin dealer. You, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it turns out he was just an uh, old-fashioned guy that really liked to have everything he owned in his wallet. Hmm. All the time, and I'm like, "Well, that's stupid." <laughs> or in, or in the ditch. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah. and I asked him when I gave it back to him. I said, "Just out of curiosity, <clears throat> how'd you lose this?" He's like, uh, <laughs> "My wife was mad at me, threw it out the window." <laughs> you didn't think to stop? Wow, or y'all come are back? both stupid. Yeah, no, he didn't know she threw it out. Oh, <laughs> she's, like, well, she's isn't that dumb, money man. like hers too? Yeah, she just threw it out in the window. You know, if if she was smart and mad at him, she would just take it and go buy like a thousand pairs of shoes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm gonna cut off my nose just to spite my face. <laughs> no, here's what I think would have happened after talking to him for a minute. She throws it out in the window. He thinks, eh, it's just gone. You know, I yeah. get it. If she'd have spent it, he'd probably went upside her head. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, yeah. It's anyway, true. he got his money back and. That's the most. That's the most interesting thing I ever found on the side of the road. Yeah, no kidding. I found a, a North Face jacket, like a rain jacket, in my size. It was in the ditch of the number one highway, and I was riding from my parents' house back to Strathmore, and I saw this blue thing flashing. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And North Face jacket. And incidentally, ten minutes after I found it, it started to rain, and I still have that jacket to the today. It was a little, it looked like a construction workers because it had dirt on it. And there's like some grease stains that have never come out. But I'm like, I still wear it around the farm. I'm like, this is the best thing. I remember I, I grabbed it and I put it in my bike and then it starts raining. And I thought, well, maybe it's kind of gross just to put a jacket that I found in the ditch on, but I'm putting this jacket on. It's like, sweet. But yeah, that was the best thing I found. I found like pliers and stuff like that, but nothing overly exciting. I know when I first started working a real job, working at a grocery store in 16, had no money because I was still within that first, you know, you got to work three weeks to get your first paycheck. Yep. I think it was halfway between in the week two. I have no money for lunch. Walking into work to uh, clock in and there's a $20 bill. Uh, just peeking out from under the shelf. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. Now I can eat for the next week. Yeah, no kidding. Hot deals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw that uh, this week. That was hilarious. That one I just sent you? Yep. That's funny. She sure is taking a wrap. I, I like this. Uh, I guess our listeners have no clue what we're saying. I just texted you a picture of Greta Thunberg. And she's got like her crazy eyes, not super crazy, but still, I don't think she could live without those crazy eyes. It says, when the bolt goes from righty tidy to righty Lucy. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, I think the only time I've broken a finger was because of that. What? When you're tightening, tightening a bolt and then it becomes really loose all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Smack! Busted knuckles. Yeah, because this was yeah. one of those... It was an aircraft bolt, and it had to be torqued to, like, um, 
I don't know how many foot pounds, but it was one of those stand on the end of the torque wrench foot pounds, right? Yeah. But we had just gotten this brand new extended reach, uh, really long, about a four foot long torque wrench. Yeah. You know, specific to these bolts. Uh, torque wrench was made for, it was really weird. We're working on a Boeing aircraft and the new, this brand new torque wrench was made by Boeing for snap on to sell back to us anyway. Hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm, sense. so I'm just cranking on this thing, putting all my weight on it. The bolt breaks. So I'm on the, my hands at the end of a four foot torque wrench, just smacks right into the landing gear. Ouch. Ow. That's nasty. Um, broke my pinky and uh, faked it until it healed. Oh, wow. That's brutal. Yeah. Hey, popsicle yeah. sticks and a rubber band. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff can be pretty intense, man. Um, yeah, and he, like, see guys, like I saw a guy one time, he had a snipe on a wrench <laughs> and just hogging on it and... I don't know how he had it on there. I didn't see it close enough, but it slipped off and the wrench sprung back and tagged him in the jaw. Oh, <laughs> like yes. Didn't break it. I was shocked, but like he cut his, like he bit his tongue. It hit him so hard and just bruised and swollen. And he had like a purple mark underneath, right underneath his, between his chin and his neck. This wrench just, and he, I, the sound, I remember hearing it and he goes, ah! I'm like, oh, it was so disgusting. I thought I was going to rip his head clean off, but he got away lucky. He didn't break his jaw, but yeah, right. man. <laughs> same exact same thing. I saw a guy do it and it knocked him out. Just wow. out cold immediately. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen somebody, uh, the, the, I think he's the luckiest person I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, was misusing uh, jacks. Yeah. And these are these enormous... <laughs> hydraulic jacks to pick up uh, airplanes and extremely heavy equipment. Yeah. Right. And he's picking up um, a vehicle that looks a lot like an MRAP, but isn't an MRAP. What is an MRAP? I have no clue what that is. It's uh, it's one of those enormous armored vehicles. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the thing weigh this particular vehicle that the guy was under, weighs 28 tons. Oh, wow. And he's... He's got the jack in the wrong place, using the wrong jack, and using automotive jack stands. <laughs> Heavy duty, but automotive jack stands on a 56,000-pound piece of equipment. Wow. Slightly heavier than your Honda. Yeah. yeah. It just folded this thing up like an accordion. Wow. But right behind where the front tracks would have been was the jacks he should have been using. One, he shouldn't have been doing the job by himself. Two, he should have been using the right jacks. But the jacks he should have been using caught the vehicle. Oh, wow. He just couldn't move them into the right place, and they hit the frame of the body. The body is about um, two-and-a-half-inch thick armored steel, you know, AR steel. and uh, Wow. So it was it was rigid enough to catch the entire vehicle, um, but he would have he would have been just nothing but a wet spot. Wow, Ugh. that's crazy. 
Yeah, he was the luckiest person I've ever met. He also got um, removed. He got kicked out of the Air Force uh, just for that. Really? He was a danger to everybody. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't the first thing he had did. Uh, yeah, some guys are like that, you know? Oh. And he has this, oh, I'm just trying to get the job done kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. You know, he doesn't mean to try to kill himself. But everything he does, every minute of every day, is trying to kill himself. Yeah. You know, when I worked at San Gel, I was on the I was the chair of the safety committee for like two, over two years, and they had contract welders when they were they get really busy. So these guys would have their welding trucks, and out in the yard they would set up tents, and it's kind of like a pipeline welder or something in the city, right? And so it was a dream job for them because they got paid stupid money, and there's this one guy and. He did get a lot of work done, but like you say, the most dangerous person there. Um, you know, some of these things they were building were huge tanks that were going on trucks, and he's dropped them before. Uh, just and the the hard thing about it was that he wasn't an employee, right? And so <clears throat> there's different sets of rules for people that are working on, say, what they call our site, or as an actual employee. And man, we tried to we tried to discipline him. But then we'd come up with this and there'd be reports, there'd be investigation, uh, like workplace health and safety would have to come in and always in trouble. And then we'd take what we suggest, say, listen, he can't be here anymore. He just can't. He's a danger, this and this and this. And then we take that to our bosses or, or the ones who are in charge of uh, would be able to get rid of him and they would never get rid of him. And it got to a point where, because it was different people sort of in charge of hiring them than hiring the shop guys. And so the way we finally had to get around it was that we wouldn't let any shop guys work near him. And so the bosses that had complete control of our shop guys that we had more influence on maybe would say, nope, we will not let uh, Sangel employees work with this contractor. And so then the other guys that were in charge of the contractors would be like, well, we need help with this and oh, get somebody else. And you can't use Sangel equipment. He's too dangerous. We've told you. And so they ended up like getting other contractors to work under him and then actually getting a forklift for the contractors because it was just ridiculous. But we always shook our heads. We're like, why on earth is he still here? Like maybe there's something going on, but he's the kind of guy you'd have a fork, like they're welding uh, some pipe coming into the top of a water tank that we used for testing. And these, this tank was like a big, huge grain bin, but full of water. And they had to put some new piping up top there. And he had a big gas generator welder on the forks, which shouldn't do it. It should be enough reach from your truck on the ground, right? Drops the welder. Like it literally fell down on the ground, a diesel generator welder, and there's guys working on the ground. Didn't kill anybody, didn't hurt anybody, but it happened, you know? And it's like, dude, you can run 50 foot welding leads up there. There's no reason why you would ever take, because their trucks, their welding package is a skid and they're all forklift accessible. So on the weekends, they actually just up, drop it down. That way they can take their trucks and go camping or dirt biking, whatever they want. And then we get there on Monday, they put their whole skid back in. So it's got like their welder, their air compressor, really nice work trucks, toolbox and all this stuff. And then, you know, they, they drive home back and forth. Some of them even just drive small cars and leave their trucks parked there. But he takes his whole skid, lifts it way up high in the forklift so he could be there to adjust the dials on his welder. And somehow something happened, a pipe slipped, knocked his whole thing off. It's just like, wow. Incredible. I remember I, had, I was working around him and I just left. I said, nope. I, I'd go. I went to my boss. I said, he's out there and he's working overhead. And he's like, nope, not a chance. He goes, you make sure there's nobody out there either because we will not work by that guy. 
It's crazy. And that was just that was just how he was. Is so stupid, you know? Oh man. I don't Yeah. Doesn't make sense. I've just seen so many of those people in my life. They just they bumble through life and they survive in spite of themselves. Yeah. And, you know, like with my boys now getting to the age where they're thinking about what they want to do, if they want to do like an apprenticeship and get into the workforce, man, I kind of get a little nervous. You know, I'm like, I sure hope we got to have decent shop that cares about safety. Um, like mo- both of my boys are looking to do what they call the RAP program, which is like a registered apprentice. I don't know. You can basically get your hours towards your apprenticeship while you're in high school and you also get high school credits. And so they're looking maybe to work, you know, at... Well, the company, my dad, I don't know if he owns anymore or not, that GNS Airport conveyor. And I remember some of the things that we did there were kind of not the safest, um, but really not dangerous. There's no like, oh, you have to do it this way because it's faster. But the thing that drives me nuts about that shop is it's messy. Like, it's gross. And uh, mess is danger. I don't care what anybody says. If you work in a really messy fabrication shop, (laughs) you know, you you bump into something and then steel falls over. clutter is will kill yeah. people. It yeah. does. And that place, at least the last I mean, I haven't been there for, I haven't walked in there probably for two or three years, but it's always been just cluttered and gross. And it's always driven me nuts. Uh, I loved Sanjel because that place was like a race car <laughs> garage, man. Like it was, there the, the bosses wouldn't put up with anything. And if every Friday, everybody had to spend half an hour and even the bosses would come out of their offices and make sure like everything was copacetic. They'd go check all the signage and the clock in sheets and make sure everything was orderly. You know, any announcements that were out of date, they'd pull them off on Fridays and everyone had to clean. And that shop was just the greatest to work in. Like, oh, I loved it there and safe. Like we didn't have injuries on our side. (laughs) The the welders did because they had all the contractors, but we really had nothing. I had zero in two and a half years. I was an advanced first aider, so I had to respond to any accident. And uh, I was a go-to guy. So if a guy got hurt, if there's an injury, everybody knew they'd run get me or one of my friends on the welder side. And in the two and a half years, we didn't have a single one that I had on our side, on the fabrication side or assembly. I was on the assembly side. Now there's some of the welders would cut their hands open and I'd have to do that and then get them ready for stitches and stuff. But man, it was such a clean shop. And I'm convinced it was, we didn't have incidents because everything was clean. Everything was in order. Oh, you got to go lift a heavy pipe. Well, the slings are right there. They're stored according to size. Uh, we've got a, a system in place. If a sling gets damaged, we've got tags. You just write out, fill it out here, put it in this box to order new slings, cut this sling up because it's been damaged. The garbage is right there. And, oh, it's just orderly, uh, well-thought-out workspaces. Oh, that's that just makes me so happy. And it's safe, you know? And so I'm always like, man, I, I wish I could find a shop like that for my kids to work in because I wouldn't worry about it, you know? But you go into a dark, dingy, danky old welding shop and there's angle iron laying on the floor and this. And I'm like, oh, man, people are getting hurt here. I guarantee it. Oh, creeps me out. <sighs> yeah, I can keep a messy house and it wouldn't bother me. Can't have a messy workplace like that. Yeah just can't um and people particularly in the military they just young people complain to no end oh you're just making busy work when you make them clean if they're not actually yeah. working yeah no dude it's for your own good trust me yeah 
Yeah, I like I like cleanliness and everything. Like I like my house to be clean. I like my room to be clean. If there's too much stuff out, I just oh no, I'll, I get it. I'm that way. But if you had to have a messy thing, yeah. I'd rather have home than work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the then same I always time. spent more time at work. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I need to do some more. I, I I did a really good job of cleaning up a yard in the beginning of the year. Like we made some serious progress and I probably have like four hours left to, to get everything I wanted done this year done. And I want it done at the spring, but it's like, like I've got some rolls of old fencing uh, that we're just going to throw away. And it's literally a matter of, I probably got two pickup trucks with a scrap steel that I just need to take to my dad's shop. Cause they've got these huge bins and they don't get charged for them. Right. They don't, I don't know if they get paid for the scrap steel. They probably do, but I've asked them if I can throw steel in there or, or if it's going to cost them. They said, nope, it doesn't cost a thing. It helps us out. So if you want to throw steel in there, throw steel. So probably have two pickup trucks full of scrap steel uh, that I just need to take. And then, whew, and then I've made a massive improvement. But man, that stuff's been sitting there for months. That's <laughs> driving me nuts. But... Yeah, I guess the yard is the hard. That's probably the thing that I have the worst. Like the inside of our house is always nice and clean. My garage is generally always nice and clean. In the middle of a project, I'm not like one of these guys that has to organize everything in 10 minutes. You know, in the middle of a project, it's a schmozzle. But as soon as I'm done that project, I can't start anything new. Uh, a lot of times it's because I just have no workspace, right? Like I've got all my wrenches and everything out on the things and I need a new wrench or a place to put something. It's like there's nothing. There's, there's no real estate available, so it's clean up. Um, but the yard, I think is the one thing I let fall <laughs> and that's kind of the worst because that's what more people see than anything else. Right. You drive by a podunk yard. You're like, oh man, those pieces are, those people are pieces of garbage. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This year has been tough on me in yeah. that regard. Cause right now it's either too hot or too wet to mow, uh, to, to mow the grass. Yeah. You don't want to mow it when it's too hot and then you just burn it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, I, I think I've got to get out there and at least do um, the front yard for Benny today. Yep. He's starting to <clears throat> brush his undercarriage. Oh, yeah. How's Benny doing? Uh, <clears throat> he's taking a change. Uh, doesn't want to eat. He is, but it's reluctantly. Uh, puked up a bunch of, he ate a bunch of grass. Yesterday, came in, drank a bunch of water, and went outside and threw it all up. Mm. Uh, making a lot more uh, really sad noises. Mm. Uh, so I'm concerned. Yeah, how old's Benny? We don't know, but we think this year would be 12 is our oh, okay. best guess. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> you... And 2016, when we rescued him, uh, I you know, did the once over and I, you know, wrote down a little piece of paper. This is what I think he is. Uh, then we went to the vet and, uh, the two senior vets at that practice came in, uh, and they, they agreed that he was seven and, and my piece of paper said seven. So I was really proud of that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Our, our dog, it drives like, it ticks you off when dogs will eat something that makes them puke. You're talking about eating grass. 
Uh, we free-ranged our chickens lately. Actually, we kind of have them back in there because I think our neighbor's cats are killing our chickens. But um, for like a month, we'd free-range them. And, they'd just, and then at night, we'd go put them in, lock them up. But we'd take Henry out there in the mornings, you know, open up the chicken coop, check their water, check their feed. And you, if you're not keeping your eye on them the entire time, he's, he eats the chicken poop. And he's like, he's all of a sudden, like, what, the same time we started free-ranging our chickens... He started puking all the time. We thought, what the heck is going on? Like, why is he puking? And so we'll go out there. We keep an eye on him. He'll find chicken poop and he'll eat it. And he'll come in. Half an hour later, he pukes. <laughs> and so then what we do now is we put him on a leash, take him out there. We don't let him eat chicken poop. And he hasn't puked since then. But it's like, why, why are dogs so stupid sometimes? You know, like, like <laughs> five days in a row, he's eating chicken poop. Five days in a row, he's puking. Oh, come on. Stop it, dog. Like, <laughs> really takes me up and... The same thing we try and keep, he always tries to sneak into the kitchen after we eat food to, to eat crumbs and stuff. But some of the food we eat will make him sick. Oh, yeah. You know, like if we're having curry or something like that, I don't think he handles it well. And I'll notice if he's gotten into the kitchen and had time in there, often the next day he's puking or he's got diarrhea. And I'm like, you dumb dog. Like, why do you go in here? And so we have to keep an eye on him like a hawk. It's like, you're not allowed in the kitchen. Oh, this is so silly. I guess dogs aren't smart as us, are they? Well, no, they just eat stuff. <laughs> eat poop. Um, no, I mean, there's there's a reason they do it. I think it's um, crazy, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I still prefer dogs over cats. Cause oh, me too. Cats are evil. That, that, I mean, just yeah, and for no reason. They don't selfish. have to be evil. They just choose it. Yeah. No, I'm. I hate cats. We keep them for mouse control, and that's it. But man, they're so selfish. You know, you see them in the morning when they want food, and they're like, meow, meow. And they're like, I got the screen doors open. They're like, meow. And I'm like trying to film a video, and the stupid cat's meowing. And then I feed it, and then they're gone all day long, nary to be seen. And then at 5 o'clock, meow, meow, meow. And they, even if I go out to the sea can, they'll follow me there, and they'll follow me back only in the morning and the evening if they haven't eaten. As soon as they eat, they'll be out there. I'll go like this, and they'll just see me walk away, and then they'll just go back to wherever they crawled out of. So selfish. You know, if a dog chases something down and kill it, it's dead. A, a cat is just as <laughs> apt to catch something and torture it for yeah four four hours. Yeah, and people. I've, I've seen more than one cat catch a mouse and just hold it with his claws. Oh, you know, try to take a nap, and the thing's struggling, and he's you know he's stabbed four times. Um, and I'm like, really? Yeah. Kill it. Or our cats will throw the throw the mouse up in the air and literally bat it back and forth. It's very yeah. impressive. I'm like, wow, yeah. that is some phenomenal coordination. Like, boom, 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 boom. Let it land. Let it run away. And then they'll just, they'll get two feet away and it'll literally just jump through the air and just land on it. Yeah. Hold it. Throw it. Let it run away. They totally play with it before they eat it. And the look of terror on that mouse <laughs> the whole yeah, it's time. That's true. true. Yeah, so like it's our neighbors, uh, they have this cat house and it was like an old shed of some sort and she feeds these cats and and the problem is like so we got a female and females are great because they stick around male cats will never stick around a farm right they're gonna explore they're gonna find women and they're gonna you know and so but she has this one cat that is massive like it's big and we're putting our chickens in like wait a minute there's three chickens missing what's going on and uh 
looking for these chickens, looking for these chickens. All of a sudden, we see a pile of feathers. I'm like, oh, oh not good. Another pile of feathers. We're like, oh, this isn't good. So we got to keep the chickens in for a bit. The next day, we see our neighbor's cat, this big, huge thing, walking back and forth behind our chicken coop. So I'm pretty sure it was the cat that got him because uh, it was a different cat they had, and it actually got into the chicken coop. And we have netting on the top of our coop so hawks can't get in. And uh, I actually, it was actually hanging upside down on the netting and I actually used a fishing net. And I got, I scooped this cat up and took it out of the chicken coop. So I'm, I'm sure it was their cat that's, that's killed him. So I don't know. I'm half tempted to put a, a live trap out there with some cat, some wet cat food in a can and see if I can't catch this thing. But it's frustrating. And their cats are always, always in our garden and they, they use our garden to poop. And it's like, get your, you know what? If you have all these stupid cats, you need to be responsible for them. Because my cats stay here. They don't wander around. And now your cat comes here. And now my cat's pregnant. And now some, like, we've got a whole other litter of kittens. And it's like, I, well, I guess you just put them in water. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. I've got this thing where when cats come onto my yard, I catch them and relocate. Or catch them and tell them goodnight. Because it's not cool. Like, it's out of control, you know? It's ridiculous. I'm not joking. Like all the neighbors around here, they'll be like, oh man, yeah, we probably shoot five cats a year. I'm like, really? Like, oh yeah. Ch cats will come into our chicken coop and bug our chickens. They're dead. And like people, like, I don't know what it is here. It, it, if it's certain people that just love cats, but man, if we have a litter, I get rid of all of them. It's like, I, I want one cat here and that's it. You know, just put an ad free farm cats, take them away. But my goodness, there's a lot of cats running around here. It drives me nuts. I wish hawks would get them. That'd just be kind of a nice natural way to manage. But they, I think they're they outwit the hawks, right? They know when they're cats are freaking smart, man. Like, oh, drive me nuts. Well, I don't. Yeah, cats. Yeah, I mean, like predator wise, I, I need one, uh, and I we do have a black cat that's completely feral. We have nothing to do with it. Uh, we didn't put it here. Uh, it's just here. Uh, yeah, but. You know, I know where we live, we need one for rodent control. I just, you know, I would rather have a different option. Yeah, owls. My parents have uh, owls. Yeah, we had a barn owl. I haven't seen it in a year and a half. Hmm. Uh, maybe the cat got it. Yeah. Very remember. impressive barn owl, this thing. Hmm. Uh, it was huge, and I don't know how it got through this little hole in the barn every day. Like it but naked speed. Uh, huh. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. My parents have two great horned owls that live on their property. And they've been there for several years. These things are huge. Like I'm always, sometimes they'll be sitting cause my parents whole driveway is lined with trees. And, uh, sometimes I'll say, you know, we'll be walking down there riding bikes or something like that. And I'm always worried that this sucker is going to come get me. Cause man, I, we saw like there'll be dead hawks on the lawn with their heads ripped off like big hawks and oh it's crazy and they're weird they're weird animals my mom has these pictures she went out one time they have a walkout basement and there's a hot tub and then there's like a little patio seating area and one of the owls was laying on its back with its wings out and my mom thought it was dead and then the other owl was just standing right beside it and so my mom's inside taking these pictures like what's going on what's going on you know and then my mom opens the door and the one that was laying on its back just got up 
and just they both flew away. But like literally, it looked like it was suntanning. And she's got these pictures. I'm like, these are weird critters, man. But they don't have. They have very few like gophers and and mice and stuff like that because of these uh, these great horned owls. It's pretty cool. And and they're gone quite a bit of time, right? So they'll be in the states for like six months in a row. So I think the owls like it because it's not like they're bothering them. It's pretty neat. You know, I wish I would uh, quit getting spammed by uh, <clears throat> an alleged or a YouTube alleged knife maker uh, and his two by forty eight steel grinder. Oh, you get God yours? Almighty! The spam I get, huh? And I, yeah. yes, I have unsubscribed. I still get them. Hmm. That's frustrating. Yeah. yeah, you know it's it's funny because it's such a fine line between YouTube as something you want to do for fun and actually like connect with people, share stuff, and then you find success and be like, okay, am I just gonna go? gangbusters and make this a business opportunity, right? And I don't fault people that do it, but there's also a certain way to do it. And I don't know. More importantly, I, there's ways not to do it. Yes, yes. You know, there's one channel I really like called Grindhard Plumbing Company, and they build a lot of crazy stuff. It's it's kind of a weird name, but they'll, they they start, I think the thing that got them famous is they, they take like a 450cc uh, dirt bike engine and put it into a Hot Wheels sized car. Obviously, make a complete frame, long travel suspension, blah blah blah. But they do crazy builds, and they're two guys out in Idaho, smart young dudes. The one guy's the guy that does most of the work. Actually, they've got another guy with them now, and then the one guy does most of the filming. And uh, but on Instagram, I follow them on Instagram. They're just flogging the merch like crazy, and I'm like, good for you, right? Like. Like t-shirts and cups, and they've always got new designs because you know what? There's some people that are like, I really want to support them. I want to wear those colors. I think merch is fantastic, you know, but I I don't know. Like I I guess it's it's such a hard thing. It's like saying, you know, at which point does capitalism become wrong? And it's it's a point kind of like like you say, if you're starting to bug people and there's no way for them to actually opt out. And some of these platforms, they're just kind of set up so that it's really hard to opt out. Like once you say, oh, yeah, I'm interested. I want to get your newsletter. And you can unsubscribe 10 times. You can email them and you're still on it. And that to me is like, okay, that's that's pushing it, right? Um, even on my website, I have it clicked. And I, I don't know about it. But if somebody goes to put something in their cart and then they don't buy it, it'll send them a reminder email one hour later. And I'm like, I don't know. At the same time, when I do that... It doesn't bother me when I'm on a, a site and I like put some stuff in my cart and then I leave and then I'll get a reminder saying, oh, did you still want to purchase these things? I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Actually I did. Thanks for reminding me. Right. Or, you know, obviously I express some interest in that product and it's not like they're just cold calling me saying, Hey, listen, do you want to buy this? Whatever. Um, but yeah, it's so hard. Uh, and, and especially with that, that fine line of YouTube, because everybody thinks, Hey, YouTube is this free platform where I can just go watch things for free. And it is, or it was, but it's not that anymore. And it's weird. And to have success on YouTube, you kind of have to try to look at it like that more. But then to be a successful YouTuber, you also have to figure out how to monetize that, you know, and do it tactfully. So it's, it's a weird balance. I like the guys <clears throat> that become 
moderately successful to successful, and they don't. It's not that they don't want to be successful. It just they don't want to be successful at YouTube. It's a hobby, and they don't push it. You know, they don't have, you know, whatever, and they're still successful. Mm-hmm. I like those guys because mm-hmm. that means you have you're interesting. Yeah. Um, for what you're doing, you're not trying to be. Uh, overly dramatic or shocking yeah. for the sake of being shocking. Yeah. You know, you're not Logan Paul <laughs> or Jake yeah. Paul. Yeah. You know, man, uh, my YouTube is like, it's probably like, at, uh, it was like an all time low right now. It's hilarious. And I know a lot of that is because like on Simple Little Life, I have not been uploading with any consistency um, or re- very much at all. But, uh, like the last 30 days, I only have 196,000 views, which, wow. yeah, which is down. Like I always float at around, I don't know, generally my like half a million to three quarters of a million on average. I peaked at like 1,150,000, but it's like less than 200. It's down 18.3% from the previous 30 days. And then I, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I put up a video, one thing I uploaded on Monday, which is not a day I ever upload on, but everybody says, oh, I want to see more forging, more forging, more forging, right? And then I upload a forging a knife from a file, and it's like my poorest performing video of the last 10. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever, never mind, you know, but. You know, that every channel I watch, every single one has an example just like that of something. You know, regularly too. And when you, and then you get somebody, not you, but YouTubers, these YouTubers, you get irritated at your viewers, your fan base, your subscribers. And then you vent a little bit in one little video and you say, look, you know, I'm doing this video and I'm doing this, this activity in this video, or this video is about this subject. And everybody wants to, you know, keeps the overwhelming majority of my comments said, do more of this. Then I do more of that. And you don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So go stick it in your hat. You know, <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, one of the, one of the mechanic kind of guys I watch, watch Wes work. Okay. He has a video from about a year or year and a half ago where him and Mrs. Wes have a conversation very short in a video, but, and they don't say this, but I think you can take it from the video that the wife in this conversation is playing the part of YouTube. Oh, okay, yeah. And Wes is playing the part of Wes. Yeah. And she's saying, you know, nobody wants to see hour-long videos. You should break it up into multiple uh, 30-minute videos, or better yet, even less. And Wes goes, yeah, but most of my commenters... Uh, say they want longer videos or one project from beginning to end in one video, no matter how long it is. And when I do that, those are my most watched videos. That's where most of my watch time is. Wife goes, well, you know, it was just hilarious. That's funny. Because it's everything YouTube tells you to do. And if you do it, you don't get the views Mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah. There's very few people that can take that, uh, 10 to 15 minute uh, 
program that YouTube wants you to do because they think it'll work uh, for revenue and advertisers. And 99% of people do it don't make, you know, they don't get the views they need. Yeah. Um, and the statistics are very hard to get uh, overall. And the best ones you can find uh, conflict one another. But, you know, the ones I look at that are the most trustworthy, in my opinion, say don't have a project generally more than three videos long. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, more than two videos long. Mm-hmm. Because if you have four, nobody's going to watch the fourth one except the most diehard people. Yeah. Like Todd. And the people, and those are the people that don't comment. Yeah. Because those yeah. are the people that are watching YouTube the way YouTube wants you to watch for their advertisers on a big screen device. Yeah. So they want you to watch YouTube like a TV. Yeah. Program and, or a TV network. That's what the advertisers want you to do. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, most of the people that watch on a big screen TV subscribe to. YouTube premium and don't, they have no rev, um, ad, you know, there's no ads at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I think YouTube has backed themselves into several different corners that they can't get out of. Yeah. And you know, from the creator standpoint, I, I think the best thing you can do is whatever you want. Exactly. You know, like you say, okay, people want more forging. Well, okay. So I was, I was thinking it's always in the back of my mind. I, it's not like I, don't want to forge and I'm only doing this video because people have asked for it. It's not that at all. I want to learn how to forge, but I, I make knives by stock removal. And so, you know, for me to forge a knife is completely taken away from any of my normal day to day. And it's more of a hobby. It's more of like a weekend warrior thing. And I'm like, okay, well I'll take a video of this and I can make some money off the video. Nope. Not, not a chance, you know, like, you know, and, and, and some things like, so I did this video of this knife sharpener, um, you know, that, that Tormek knockoff. And I bought that with my own money. I got it on sale for 200 bucks. And within the first month, I'd made like $250 revenue on it. So I'm like, sweet. You know, I made 50 bucks plus I paid off that thing. And then I sold the sharpener for 50 bucks to somebody, right? And I'm like, see, that that's kind of cool. Because now, now doing these videos are almost they're kind of worth it, right? It's, it's not like an early retirement program where I'm going to be wealthy by the time I'm 45. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I look at this forging video and, uh, and I started this one probably a month and a half ago because I'm trying to squeeze in when I can work on it between other projects. And um, it was a long lot of work forging. I mean, I'm not good. I've, I've learned a lot on, on the process, but and it's like, oh, well, this is like my worst performing video. So hmm, you know, maybe I won't do that one again. And then Steph's like, well, you know what? Maybe you should just do another forging video. Your next one should be forging another knife. I'm like, that might be interesting, right? And then you talk about like, it's interesting because I always say on my Jeremy Gertz channel, I want, uh, it's a cap, a time limit of 10 minutes. That's what I say. I want nothing more than 10 minutes. And sometimes I like that for like vlogs and stuff. But it's interesting because whenever I go onto the treadmill and I'm looking for YouTube, I'm always looking for something that's around a half, 20 minutes to a half an hour because I don't want to have to pick four or five different videos to watch because it's a pain. Yeah. And so if I'm running on the treadmill, I would rather have a video that's a little slower and, you know, I'm watching these these dirt bike modification videos and a lot of guys will, you know, ride their motorbike while they're talking about this stuff. And some of it's a little slow and they're not just right to the point, but I'm like, 
cool, you know what, I'm here running and I'm on a motorbike ride with this guy and, and he's kind of talking slowly. You know, somebody will cut him off. He's like, oh, oh just got to slow down for a minute. And, you know, he doesn't edit that out. But I'm like, this is what I want because it's just totally killing time that I want to kill. And I hate it when it's like, oh, you know, I see a video I really want to watch, but I'm about to go on the treadmill and it's only eight minutes long. I'm like, I'm going to save that for another time because I don't want to grab my iPad, you know, slow down the treadmill, pick another video. And so it's kind of weird, like, even for my sentiment as what I want my channel to be, as a consumer, my channel wouldn't appeal to me all the time. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, maybe you just get rid of that rule. And like, if, if a video needs 20 minutes, give it 20 minutes. If it's a daily vlog, no, 100% less than 20 minutes, like 100%. Because <laughs> I don't think many people have a full day that's really that interesting. And those should be like, ta, 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 right? And I mean, even from the way I look at it, like three minute daily vlog video, that'd be cool. But at the same time, it's hardly worth the commitment to press play if it's going to be over right away, you know? And then with uh, also like with all these other platforms like TikTok and all these different things, it's so weird how people's attention is being pulled and how it's being manipulated. Like YouTube used to be a place where you could, listen, I'm going to build this chair and I'm going to show the entire video. And even before any monetization, people would watch and be like, this is awesome. And then they'd share it on the forums and be like, look at it. This guy shows you how to build this whole chair start to finish. Right. And it's like 50 minutes. This is the best. Like that stuff hardly flies anymore. You know, like that's not, I the can't stand big... uh, 10 minute fast forward uh, style videos of a project beginning to end. I want to see the, See, those are the ones I like, though. Because I can't stand them because you can't see what people are doing. Yeah. Especially I like if to you're see the concept. To learn how to you know, change brakes on a 95 Honda. Yeah. I don't want it seeing fast forward. No, that's true. I want to see it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's some of these auto, well, auto online auto part retailers that do really good videos where it'll be like, first, take off the wheel, and then it'll show just a little bit of the clip, right? And like then you're going to need to undo this. So they go through every single bit, but... You know, they take off the wheel. They'll show you kind of undoing one lug nut, and then they'll have the wheel coming off. So it's like, okay, so obviously I can clue in my mind that there's, you know, four, three other lug nuts they need to undo, take the wheel off. And then they'll show you all the very important specifics, but some guys will do that, and they literally won't fast-forward anything. It's like, okay, you got to take the wheels off, and then you literally sit here and watch them undo four bolts, you know, and take the wheels off and like, okay, now, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, this is a waste of my time. Like I'm literally in my garage right now. My car is on the jack stands. I need to know what the next step is, you know, but and yeah. it, it, the, the thing is too, is I, I, I think when you're making content, you make whatever it is excites you right then. And it, it could change and that's fine, but that's, that's the only way to, to enjoy it. And that I think people like it more when it's genuine, right? And that, that's why Andrew, camarada you know i mean his content is insane when i look at his videos i'm like how on earth does he have this many views how is he so successful and i think part of the reason is because this is exactly how he wants his video to be and i, yes. I think there's very little outside influence he, he's not thinking about manic and stupid on purpose yeah but he's not uh, thinking about the algorithm. He's not thinking, maybe he is a little bit more now, but that's not what brought him success. His success oh was like, I just want to do this. I just want to show this entire project in one video. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. I saw an interview with him and he said, you know, he bought a GoPro just because he wanted to do time-lapse. And yeah. his whole idea was just time-lapse every job that he ever did. And all of a sudden that got successful. And then he started, you know, 
tweaking it a bit and kind of involving people and explaining some things. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's fun. I, I love, love YouTube. Yeah. And then I don't at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I prefer, I much prefer 30 minute or longer videos unless, you know, if, it, if somebody doing yeah. a job, yeah, longer. <laughs> Would if you like? Somebody, uh, if it's like a uh, news updates, vlog shorter. Yeah. Unless you're actually interesting, and it's like once a week vlog, and you're gonna show me what you did for the week. Yeah. <laughs> what I don't like is somebody doing a vlog simply to Great do content. a vlog. Yeah. I have to put out a video every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, because YouTube expects it. And it has to be seven to 10 minutes long. And then you do a seven minute video saying, I don't have a video, but I'm putting this <laughs> yeah. crap up. Yeah. And literally that's what you're doing. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, Oh, I unsub from that person immediately. That moment. Even though every other video I watched of theirs had something in it of interest. Yeah. Not everything, every video, but something in yeah. every little video. And you do a seven to ten minute video telling me I don't have a seven to ten minute video. And I'm going to sit here and talk to you about that for seven to <laughs> ten minutes. Because yeah. YouTube wants me to put up three videos. Screw you. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think daily videos are like next to impossible. I think if you do this for a living... You can come up with something for seven to ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, there's someone that is a humongous YouTuber, and they're, they do vlogs and projects, you know, their own projects, as well as having people come in and do projects for them. And they didn't have much subject matter a vlog so they washed their vehicle and made that interesting mm-hmm. or at least funny yeah right yeah and it and you know i'll grant you it wouldn't appeal to some people but if you happen to like scantily clad women <laughs> washing their car yeah you know, it was interesting. Yeah. Now, I'm not that kind of guy. You know, I, it's like art to me. I can appreciate it, but you know, I don't want to go. You know, have a fling. Yeah. I'm more than happily married. Um, yeah. You know, when I look at a pretty woman and say, "Oh, look at that pretty woman," my wife goes, "Oh yeah, you're right." You know, or mm-hmm. really, what do you see in that? Yeah. And I have to say, her eyes, honey. Um, <laughs> you know, but. Yeah. Um, so I'm very comfortable in, you know, appreciating good looks or pointing out bad looks. Uh, believe me, I see fat, ugly in the mirror every day. I know it when I see it, (laughs) (laughs) but the person I cannot understand at all, how they're so popular, how they're getting so rich, how they're getting so many sponsors is Weston. <laughs> I know. I think it's because he's just an honest goofball. And he doesn't he, do crap all in his videos anymore. And he just talks about it. 
and you, you can't learn anything about it from from I've tried watching his videos and it's like no details. He'll kind of show you, yeah, we're going to put this onto this truck. It's like, well, we've got a problem. But it's not like, okay, if you want to make a diesel Mustang, this is how you do it. But it's, I just think he's a big enough goofball. He doesn't take himself seriously at all. And he's just like, hey, that's part of his thing. So shtick is just, he's always kind of happy, borderline goofy without being fully dumb, right? <laughs> without being Logan Paul. You know what I mean? Like he is always just having fun. And everything's kind of fun to him, but he's... Uh-oh, he lost Todd. Well, maybe that's a good place to wrap up the episode. I think Todd's going to jump back on here in a moment. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, in the case that he doesn't jump on here, thank you for listening. Todd, you'll be hearing this via your your podcast player. Thank you for joining me today again. And uh, I love get together. We can chat. And uh, thanks to everyone listening. And uh, yeah, we'll probably call it a wrap here. Cheers. <laughs>